Well, today is an awesome day. We're going to wrap up our series on uh, power, peace, and provision. But before we kind of jump into that final message this morning, uh, we have something special we're going to celebrate today, and that is that Pastor Kelly turned 50 years old on Friday. Come on up here, sweetie. Y'all join us this morning. Come on, sweetie. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Kelly, happy birthday to Amen. And all of you are invited immediately after service today. We are having a special surprise birthday party for Kelly in the cafe. We prepared for all of you to stay and hang out with us, so we'd love for you to join us as we just celebrate her today. We love you guys. I love you, sweetie. Amen. Give her one more round of applause. Amen. I'm a blessed man. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, as I said, we are going to wrap up our series on the power, the peace, and the presence of uh, the provision of God. And as, as Nick already stated this morning, how powerful it is just utilizing the tools, the bracelets. And how many of you have, have learned some scriptures maybe to your own surprise? Come on, hands going up. I've had people telling me every week, Pastor Keith, this is working, this is amazing. I'm learning scripture, so I hope you utilize it. This week, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And we're going to read that verse together in just a minute. And so I just want to encourage you, today is day 15 of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It is not too late to join us. You can jump in for this last week of prayer and fasting. If you've never had a dedicated time of prayer and fasting before the Lord, I promise you this, it will change your life. It refocuses our heart on hearing the voice of God. And if you've ever heard the voice of God and you want to hear it more clearly, prayer and fasting is the way that we do that. Uh, we have a daily devotional through our Liberty Church app and on the website, so a lot of opportunities to connect in. But we learned two weeks ago that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we shall be his witnesses telling people about Jesus everywhere, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we learned that God through the person of the Holy Spirit has empowered us to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He's empowered us to live in victory over sin. He's empowered us to make disciples of all nations. And then last Sunday, we looked in John chapter 14, verse 27. Nick just quoted us to it that Jesus gave us a gift, right? A gift of peace and a gift of peace of heart and peace of mind. And we talked about how the peace of God is a manifestation of his presence in our lives. And there is a peace in Christ that literally surpasses all understanding. This morning, we're going to kind of wrap this whole thing up talking about the provision of the Lord. That not only do we have a God of power, not only do we have a God of peace, but we serve a God of provision. Amen. He's a God that actually cares about his children. I want you to look at that first point for all you note takers out there this morning. So let me give you a thought about the provision of God. And then we're going to look at Philippians 4 and look at our key verse or memory verse for the week. 
That first point simply says this. The provision of God is not financial or physical. It is supernatural. The provision of God is not financial or physical. It's just not a financial thing, and it's just not a physical thing. It is a supernatural thing. What does that mean? It's a supernatural provision that supplies everything we need. The provision of God is not just financially or physically. Because how many of you know sometimes you need things that aren't financial, and sometimes you need things that aren't physical? Now, the provision of God does cover your financial needs, and it does cover your physical needs, but God is a God of provision. And what we're going to recognize today from the Word of God is that when the Bible talks about the provision of God and we think about God's provision, I want you to think just not about a physical or a financial thing. I want you to think about a supernatural thing called the provision of God, where God provides everything. He provides everything we need just as we need it. He provides His wisdom. He provides His grace. He provides His mercy. He provides His love. He provides His favor. He provides His protection. He provides whatever it is that we need in our lives. And not only does He provide everything, but He also provides it strategically as we need it. What I love about God is that God is a God of strategy and strength who speaks and works specifically in our lives. And all of us have experienced the strategic provision of God. If you've ever went through a season of loss, if you've ever lost a loved one specifically, then you understand during that season of grief and loss, there was a grace on you. There was a grace on you that sustained you. There was a grace on you that carried you. There was a grace on you that sustained you through a season that you had never experienced before. And that grace was not there the day before you needed it. And it's probably not even there now. But in the moment that you needed that grace, guess what? God provided exactly what you needed in the moment that you needed it. So today, as we kind of begin to unpackage the idea that God is our provider, we're going to begin to dive into the understanding the provision of the Lord as being this thing that meets every single need, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, emotionally, in our lives. Let me tell you something. There's not a need in your life that God can't and won't meet. There's not a need in your life that Jesus has not already purchased your redemption and your salvation in that area of your life. There is nothing that is off limits to the provision of God. Amen? So look at the rest of that statement. So it is a provision. God's provision is a provision that not only supplies our needs, but we're going to see it creates an overflow and an abundance in our lives, empowering us as Christians to be the most generous people on the planet. We're going to learn a little bit today, or maybe a lot today, about generosity. And we're going to recognize that out of the generosity of the heart of God, God is birthing and breeding in us a generous spirit that changes the world. How many of you understand God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing? And all of a sudden, we're going to recognize today as we dive into the provision of the Lord that God not only meets the need, God does exceedingly abundantly above our need so that we have an opportunity to live a generous life. Amen? Philippians 4, look at verse 19. Paul is speaking. He says, and at the moment, I have all that I need and more. 
And I have generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Ephroditus. And they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And here's our verse for the week. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it one more time. Y'all want to read it with me? Let's say it together. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, he says, Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. So look at that first point or that next point on your outline this morning. Paul starts out this scripture with this little phrase, the same God. The same God, Paul said, who took care of me. And as I began to study this, the Lord literally highlighted six people from the scriptures I want us to talk about this morning. Think about it. The same God who took care of Paul. The same God who took care of David. The same God who took care of Daniel. The same God who took care of Joseph, Noah, and Elijah takes care of us the same God and I want you to see this next statement because this is critical to everything we're going to talk about today our security comes from his identity our security comes from his identity our security doesn't come from our ability it comes from his identity he is a good good father he is a loving provider that takes care of his children and our security in life comes from his identity as being that good father that provides for his children one of the best definitions I ever heard of insecurity because how many of you know there's this real epidemic in our culture today where people are constantly battling with insecurity and I talk to people and they say well I'm really insecure and I'm really insecure and I'm really insecure and I battle with insecurity and I battle with insecurity I, I heard this definition and it just resonated in my heart gentleman made this statement he says insecurity is misplaced security misplaced security when I put my security in something other than God it's a misplaced security and it will always produce insecurity because if my security is in my ability guess what I come short of the glory of God how many of you know that sometimes your best isn't good enough See, we are an outreaching church, and we love to bless people, and we love to help people. Many times we work with many single moms, and they're doing their best, and they're working two jobs, and they're stretching the dollar, and they're doing everything they can do in their own ability to meet the needs in their family, and it's still not enough. Because in our flesh, there are moments, and there are seasons, and there are times where you're going to come to the end of your ability. And if your security in life is wrapped up in your ability to perform and provide, then guess what? You're going to be one day insecure because you're going to come to an end of yourself. But let me give you some good news today. God's not broke, busted, or disgusted. He's got more than enough, and he will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory, right? God is blessed, God is rich, God is full, and God is lacking nothing. There is no end to the supply of who he is. So my security is wrapped up in his identity. He's a good father, a loving provider that takes care of his children. So let's talk about these six people real quick. I want you to think about Paul for just a minute. Holy Spirit kind of gave me some key things I want to just share with you 
He said, Keith, think about how God provided for Paul. The same God who provided for Paul. Paul who spent most of his Christian life in prison. Most of his Christian life under house arrest. Most of his Christian life behind bars. And he said, Keith, think about it. He said, I provided food and clothing for Paul. See, we think our prison systems are bad today. In a Roman prison, they didn't feed you. They didn't clothe you. And they didn't give you any necessities for life. If you were imprisoned... It was the responsibility of your family and friends to bring you daily food and daily provision. And if your family and friends didn't show up, you didn't eat. If they didn't bring a coat or clothes or a garment or a blanket, you didn't have anything. And Paul spent most of his Christian lives in a prison mentality where he was having to live literally off the generosity of other people. As a matter of fact, this scripture that we just read, he says, right now I have all that I need and more than enough thanks to your generosity. He's thanking the Philippians for their support. He's thanking the Philippians that they came to his aid. He's thanking the Philippians that in his moment of need, they were willing to feed him. They were willing to clothe him. When you read the letters of Paul, you find out there's one occasion where he tells, I believe, Timothy to bring his cloak or his coat when he comes. Why? It's getting cold and they're not giving out blankets. And so here's Paul. And Paul said the same God that provided for me. The same God that's fed me. The same God that's clothed me. The same God that's kept me warm on those cold, bitter nights in a prison cell is the same God that cares for you. He's the same God that loves you. He's the same God that desires to provide for your life. And I begin to think about Paul. And I begin to think not only about his God providing food and clothing, but I begin to think about how God gave him strength and boldness. Strength and boldness to preach the gospel in the face of opposition. Strength and boldness to boldly proclaim Christ. Even though he knew the more boldly he proclaimed Jesus, the more persecution and affliction he would endure. But yet he boldly proclaimed. And I just felt like the Lord said, Keith, there's some people here today that are going to be in the house of God. He said they're going to need to know that in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, the same God that provided Paul with strength and boldness will provide you with the same strength and the same boldness to stand up and speak up and be a voice for Christ. I believe the church needs to be bolder, more courageous, more outspoken now than we've ever been before. And the same God, hear me today, the same God that gave Paul strength and boldness is the same God that wants to strengthen and embolden me and you with his boldness and his strength to boldly preach Jesus. And I thought about this one last thing about Paul. I thought about how God gave him spiritual stamina and insight. That think about it. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament wall locked in prison. The spiritual stamina. Can you imagine the mental and spiritual fortitude that was required? While you're in prison, you can't go where you want to go. You can't do what you want to do. You can't see who you want to see. But yet you're writing words like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Submit to authority, even unrighteous authority, because all authority comes from God. And God is able to work all things together for your good because you love God and are called according to his purpose. Think about those words that he wrote while he was not able to do what he wanted to do. Where he was not able to go where he wanted to go. Where he was being confined and limited many times in house arrest or in prison cells. And yet the spiritual stamina and insight that he delivered 
And the Lord wants us to know today that in in seasons of oppression and persecution, there is revelation and there is insight that God wants to give us. And the devil and the world doesn't define what God can do in our lives. And you may be under extreme persecution and an extreme tribulation. And you may be walking through a season of hardship like you've never endured before. God wants you to know the same God that took care of Paul is the same God that will take care of me and you. Amen? Amen? And then I began to think about not just Paul. I began to think about David. And the Lord just kind of highlighted this to me. He said, Keith, think about David. He said, think about what I provided David with. David was an unknown shepherd who became the most famous king in Israel. He said, I provided David with an opportunity for promotion, an opportunity for prestige, an opportunity to come out of a place of obscurity into a place of influence. How many of you know the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord? See, God, the same God that provided David an opportunity to go from obscurity to influence, the same God that provided David an opportunity to kill a giant so that he could become one of the most famous kings, a man after God's own heart, the Bible would describe him. Some of you in this room here today have been feeling like you're being overlooked on your job and you're being overlooked in your business and you're being overlooked on your career path and people are going over you and people are going around you and nobody sees and the boss doesn't see and my coworkers don't see and nobody sees what I'm doing. I want you to hear me today. The same God that created an opportunity for promotion in David's life is the same God who created an opportunity for promotion in your life. And what we don't realize many times is our opportunity for promotion is there's a a Goliath that needs to be killed. There's a problem that nobody else can solve. There's an issue that nobody else can get around. There's a difficulty that nobody else can solve. And all of a sudden, God raises you up. Ain't that right, Nathan? And you solve a problem nobody else can solve, and you fix a problem that nobody else can fix, and you bring a resolution that nobody else can bring. And before you know it, you're being promoted, and you're being promoted, and you're being promoted. And you're going from the guy that nobody knows their name to the guy in the company that everybody wants to know your name. You ought to talk to Nathan and hear what God can do when you're willing to honor him with your life. Amen? What God did for David, God will do for you. The same God that provided promotion for him is the same God that will open doors of opportunity for you. Think about Think about Joseph. Joseph, of course, the coat of many colors. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph was lied about by Potiphar's wife. Joseph was forgotten in the prison for two years by the butcher and the baker. And all of a sudden, you see Joseph. And, and the Lord said, think about how I provided him with wisdom and favor. Think about how I blessed him. The Bible says everywhere Joseph went, everybody recognized something, that God was with him. And because God was with him, God blessed him. And he began to be promoted. And he began to be elevated. But this is what the Lord highlighted. He said, think about Joseph. Think about how I provided Provided Joseph with the patience and persistence to walk in integrity when nobody else was. His brothers weren't integrous. They lied about him, deceived his dad, broke his father's heart, told him he was dead. Potiphar's wife wasn't walking in integrity. She lied, compromised, said he was doing something he wouldn't do it. He got in the jail, interpreted the dream, and the guy he interpreted the dream from forgot about him. He said, I'll never forget you, and he forgot him. And two years later, finally, God brought him before Pharaoh, and he became the most powerful man in Egypt except for Pharaoh himself. And the Lord said, think about it, Keith. Think about how I provided Joseph with the patience and the perseverance to do what's right when nobody else is doing what's right. The same God that gave Joseph the grace and the strength and the perseverance and the patience to keep on doing the right thing 
Well, Pastor Keith, I'm doing the right thing, and people are compromising, and people are lying, and they're making more money than me, and they're passing me, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're getting ahead of me, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. I don't care what they're doing. Let me just tell you something. The same God, the same God that gave Joseph patience and persistence and ultimately elevated him to the most powerful man on the planet at that time, second to Pharaoh, is the same God that sees you, the same God that will care for you, the same God that will grace you with patience and persistence to just keep on keeping on doing the right thing. Amen? Think about Daniel. Daniel had an excellent spirit, the Bible says. He was filled with wisdom. He had discernment. He interpreted dreams and visions. God protected him. You remember from the lion's den. And God said, think about Daniel, Keith. Think about the fact that the same God that protected Daniel from the mouth of the lions is the same God that will protect you. The same God that will shut the mouths of the lions is the same God can shut the lions' mouths against you. The same God. He's a God of protection. He's a God of provision. He's a God of grace. And I thought about Noah. God gave Noah a blueprint to, a blueprint to build an unshakable floating fortress, basically, full of animals. Think about the skill, the strength, and the discipline to build a boat. It took him approximately somewhere between 75 to 100 years. Think about it. The, the, the discipline and determination to do one thing consistently for 75 years. To spend your life on one thing. To spend your life building something that nobody else even thinks that needs to be built. To, to spend your life pursuing something that the world says you're crazy pursuing. To spend your life chasing after something that the world says you're crazy to chase after. I mean, Noah, you're building a boat on dry land and you're saying it's going to rain. We don't even know what rain is. It's never rained before. And the discipline and determination to stay the course. God said, the same God. That provided Noah that discipline to stay the course is the same God that will provide that same discipline for me and you to stay the course, to focus on the things that God's called us to focus on. Last but not least, and we're going to move on, is Elijah. Think about Elijah. He was filled with power, faith, and boldness. He confronted the false prophets. He prayed fire down from heaven. The same God that empowered him, the same God that showed up for him, the same God that strengthened him, the same God that moved through him, the same God that gave him courage and boldness to stand when he was totally outnumbered and knew that his life laid in the balance is the same God that will embolden us and courage and give us courage and strength to stand in the face of opposition. And then the same God that provided for Elijah. You remember Elijah was out in the wilderness and the first door dash service in the Bible was ever recorded. God fed him with ravens. They were called ravens are us. <laughs> Amazon needs drones. God needs ravens. Come on, somebody. He can deliver what you need where you are whenever you need it because he's God. And the same God that commanded the ravens to feed Elijah is the same God that commands food and provision and grace and strength and boldness and life and endurance, and everything that you need, he's the same God. Amen? Look at that next point. Let's kind of drill down into this scripture just a little bit. Paul said, the same God that supplied my need will supply all your needs. The word supply literally in the Greek means to be filled. It means to be full. It means to be lacking nothing. This is an idea of abundance. It's an idea of overflow. Think about it. God is a God of more than enough. And his generosity is intended to breed a generous spirit within us. 
Because God supplies more than we need so that we will have the seed to continue to multiply the harvest. God supplies more than we need. And God's generosity, God will supply. He'll fill to the brim and overflowing your need, the things that you need in your life. Why? Because God is a provider. And not only does he supply enough, he provides more than enough. The truth is most people in this room today are making more money now than you've ever made in your life. And unfortunately, many people are making more money now than they've ever made in their life, and they're still struggling financially more than they've ever struggled. We're going to explain that at the very end. The last point of the message today is going to explain that. But I want you to see something. I want you to hear something. I want you to understand that God is a generous God. He's not stingy. He's not greedy. He's not tight-fisted. He's not holding on to things, and he's not withholding things. He has, with an open hand, extended everything that you need. He has poured out His blessing on the entire earth that whosoever could receive and believe from Him. And He's a generous Father. We've been fasting, not eating very much over the last 15 days, and I still go to my refrigerator, and we have so much leftovers, I can't put anything in there. Think about your refrigerator. Think about how God gives you more. More than you, you need to, you, you eat till you're full and there's still more. You buy and there's still more. You purchase and you're still more. Nobody in this room goes to their closet and has one outfit. We got more. More than we need. More than we need. Each and every one of us. And you know what? God's not, God's not intimidated by more. God is the God of more. He's the God of more than enough. But the reason God gives us more than enough is because God wants to breed a generous spirit in us where we begin to do what our Father does and give out of the overflow and abundance that He's brought into our lives. Listen to what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul brings such clarity to this concept. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, he says, Remember this, a farmer, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So you must each decide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Listen to that. You must each decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Let me make a statement to you. I want you to hear this today. The standard of our living is not determined by our earnings is determined by our givings. The standard of our living is determined by our giving. And God said this, here's the kingdom principle. There is a kingdom economy that works. Let me just say this, if you haven't figured it out, the world's economy doesn't work. Our government just hit the debt ceiling and now we're having to raise the, I don't know how many trillion dollars of debt just so our government can keep working. The world's economy does not work. It creates debt. It creates strife. It creates tension. It creates manipulation. It creates corruption. God's economy is good. Come on, somebody. God's economy produces not only enough to meet your need, but it produces more than enough so that we can live out of a generous heart, sowing seed to produce a greater harvest, not just in our lives, but in the lives of other people. So Paul says, hey, every man gets to decide how much seed they're going to sow. And if you sow a small amount of seed, you get a small harvest. If you sow generous seed, you get a generous harvest. Do you know what you know about rich people? Rich people are generous people. 
And the richer they are, typically the more generous they are. We have this idea that the reason people are generous is because they're rich. That's not true. The reason they're generous, the reason they're rich is because they're generous. Generosity produces a harvest. Generosity produces a pressed down, shaken together, running over into our lives. So God wants to do two things. He wants to meet your needs, and then he wants to supply above your needs. Listen to what he goes on and says, verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need. That's powerful. And you will always have everything you need. And look what it says, and plenty left over to do what? To share with others. God's going to generously provide all that you need so that you will always have everything that you need. Everything that you need physically, financially, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever the area. You will have everything you need. Why? Because God is a God who provides. And not only does he provide our need, he provides generously to meet our need so that we have stuff left over. Why? So we can share with others. God's generous heart is intended to breed a generous spirit in us so that we become the most generous people on the planet, reflecting and revealing the very nature of God. Look at verse 9. As the scripture says, they, have freely, they, they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. The reason we call our outreach ministries forever ministry is because when you do good, when you help those that are in need, the Bible says you do a good deed that will be remembered forever. Now guess what? People forget, but God doesn't. People forget, but God doesn't. You can help somebody in need, and six months later, they may not even remember you helped them. But God will remember it. It will be remembered forever. Think about that. Why? Because generosity is in the very heart and nature of God. Look at verse 10. He says, For God is the one who provides seed for the, for the farmer and then bread to eat. God gives us bread to eat and seed to sow. Bread to eat. And seed to sow. How many of you know if you eat the seed, there is no harvest? If you eat the seed, there is no harvest. I had somebody come up to me after the 8 o'clock service. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, Lord provided for us. He said, we planted a little small watermelon thing. He said, we planted three watermelon vines. He said, we ate 19 watermelons. We gave away 39 watermelons. And we had enough seed to plant again next year. That's God's economy. That's how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom works. God gives seed to sow and bread to eat. Look what he goes on to say. He says, in the same way, he, speaking of God, will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity. Look at that last little two words there. A great harvest of generosity where? In God's wanting to produce a great harvest of generosity where? In me and in you. How does he do that? He generously supplies all that we need. 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 Why? So that we can begin to have a harvest of generosity on the inside of us that begins to share with others what God has given to us. Look at that next point. The word need is a great word in the Greek. I'd never seen this before. The word need means necessities, but it also means, listen to this, the word need there, my God will supply all your needs. It literally means our employment or our business. 
It is the work that we are called to do. So my God will supply all your business, all your employment, all the work. The work that you've been called to do, guess what God said? I'm going to supply everything you need to do the work that I've called you to do. So everybody, think about this, so everybody doesn't get the same thing. But we all get everything that we need to do the work God's called us to do. Everybody doesn't get the same thing. You, you can't say God wants everybody to be a millionaire. No, he doesn't. God wants everybody to be blessed. God wants everybody to have more than enough to do the work that he's called them to do, pressed down, shaken together, and running over so they can live generous lives and continue to operate in the kingdom of God. God doesn't give everybody the same thing. You know why? Because the person doing the work of a doctor needs something different than the person doing the work of a lawyer. And the person doing the work of a lawyer needs something different than the person doing the work of a pastor. And the person doing the work of a pastor needs something different than the work, person doing the work of a teacher. And they need something different than the person doing the work of a stay-at-home mom. And they need something different than the construction worker. And they need something different than the accountant. And they need something different than the factory worker. And they need something different than the truck driver. So you know what God says? God says, I don't care what the work is. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to supply your need according to the work that I've called you to do. See, in, in, we live in a world where there's a socialistic mentality that's trying to creep in and destroy our nation. And socialism says the only way that everybody can have enough if there's equality among all people. Nobody has more, nobody has less. But when you look at socialistic societies, you see that most of those people living in socialistic societies are living in oppression and they're living in poverty. And the only people prospering are the world people way up here who are ruling and reigning over them with oppressive spirits and fists. God's economy is everybody don't get the same thing, but everybody gets everything they need to do what they've been called to do. You remember Joseph? We talked about Joseph. Think about Joseph for just a minute. Joseph is an interesting character because Joseph started out as a son, and God prospered him when he was a son and had favor with his father. Joseph went from being a son to being a servant. He was sold as a slave in Potiphar's house, and God prospered him and blessed him as he was a slave working in Potiphar's house. And then he went from being a slave in Potiphar's house to being a prisoner in jail, and God prospered him as a prisoner in jail. And then he went from being a prisoner in jail to being the ruler of Egypt, second in command to Pharaoh. And no matter what the work, God prospered him. No matter what the work, God provided everything that he needed. He provided what he needed to be a son. He provided what he needed to be a slave. He provided what he needed to be a prisoner. And he provided what he needed to be a ruler. And it's not the same for everybody. But everybody gets everything that they need. And all of a sudden, it removes competition. And all of a sudden, it removes covetousness. And I don't have to want what you want and desire what you have. Why? Because God's got everything I need to do what he's called me to do. And if I'll honor him in the work, come on, somebody, then I'll walk in the provision that God has for me. So guess what? Whatever your work, God's got you. Come on, somebody. That ought to be some good news to somebody. Let, let me tell you a quick story. You ought to Google this guy. Write down this name, George Mueller. I don't know if you know who George Mueller is. George Mueller was an evangelist back in the 1800s. Uh, George Mueller and his wife uh, in 1836 opened an orphanage. They felt the Lord call them to build this orphanage. They opened an orphanage, and they actually fed and clothed and educated 10,000 orphans. They started 117 schools, and they... 
created curriculum and Bible training for over 120,000 people before there was an internet. 1836. And he did all of that and never once asked for a donation. George Mueller had this belief that God was his provider. And there's a scripture in the book of Psalms that George Mueller stood on. It says this, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. They had five homes that were orphanages. Some of those homes held two to three hundred kids at a time. He was a meticulous record keeper. Anytime anybody made a donation, he wrote it down to the smallest penny. He made sure everybody within 24 hours of their donation got a receipt of their gift. Number one, he wanted to honor the people that were giving. And number two, he wanted to give glory to God. Over $113 million flowed through that orphanage in 1836. That's a whole lot of money, guys. Because George Mueller believed that God was his provider. They said there were times they would sit out the table filled with kids. There'd be no food to feed them. And they would begin to pray and thank the Lord that he was going to provide for their needs. Said they never waited more than 30 minutes for every, every child to be fed around every table. And God just showed up and God just showed up and God just showed up. Why? Because they believed that God was their provider. He said God's going to bless the work that he's called me to do. And if he's called me to feed orphans, I'm going to feed orphans. And he's going to give me what I need to do what he's called me to do. My God will supply all my needs according to the work, come on somebody, that he's called me to do. Look at that last point. I want to give you a, a simple concept here. Here's the concept. It really is simple. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you because he is our provider. And when we honor God with our lives, when we honor God with our work, when we honor God through our worship, guess what happens? We just position ourselves. You're not making God. I heard a preacher years ago, he made this statement. He says, God no more chooses whom he will bless than the sun chooses whom it will shine upon. How many know the sun just shines? <laughs> And if you position yourself where the sun is shining, you'll get a suntan. If you position yourself where the sun is shining, you'll feel the warmth of its rays. If you plant your garden in the right place, it'll get the nutrients that it needs. The sun doesn't choose who it's going to bless. No more than God chooses who he's going to bless. God has already poured out provision. God ordered it. Jesus paid for it. The Holy Spirit delivers it. All we've got to do is position ourselves. He's already said, my God will supply all your need according, according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we position ourselves. Here's the truth. Every good gift and every perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from God. James 1, 17, 18 says, don't be deceived, or 16, 17 says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from God. Every time you smiled, every time you've rejoiced, every time there's been food on the table, every time the job came through, every time the paycheck came through, every time the check cleared, that was God. The devil's trying to kill you, destroy you, and curse you. God is blessing you. He's fighting for your blessing. Every good and every perfect gift. Think about this. Every good gift comes from God. And God blesses everyone, good people and bad people, righteous people and unrighteous people. Atheists and agnostics. God blesses them all. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 5. 
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be like be the sons of your Father in heaven. How many know God loves his enemies? How many know God blesses those who curse him? How many know God does good to those who hate him? How many know God intercedes through his son for those who spitefully use, uh, used him and persecuted him? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He says, do these things that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Rain in the Bible was not a bad thing. We think of rain, I don't know what's raining, I don't know if I'm going to church today. No, in, in an agricultural community, when they said rain, we said, come on Jesus, that's a good thing. Come on, let it rain, because my crops need water. God sends his son on the just and the unjust. God sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Why? Because he's a good father. And he loves people. He loves people. And that's why there are wicked people that can prosper. Let me give you a challenge. Some people that don't know God are operating in the kingdom of God's principles for prosperity, and it's working. And people that know God aren't operating in God's kingdom principles, and it's not working. You ever get frustrated when wicked people prosper? I do. Sometimes I get mad. I'm like, Lord, why are they prospering? He said, well, they're doing what I told them to do even, they don't, even though they don't know it. Now, I'm not talking about doing sin to prosper. But how many know there are a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus that are building successful businesses, that are building entrepreneurships, that are prospering financially in their lives? Now, they may not have joy and they may have not peace, but they're making some money. How in the world are they doing that? Because God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. God is not in heaven saying, you don't love me, so I'm going to stomp you out. I want you to be poor. You're going to be poor, yeah. You're going to be poor because you don't love me. And yeah, you, that remark, I heard what you said about me. Yes, so yeah, no, no food for you this week. <laughs> if we were God, we'd do that. I'm glad I'm not God. I'm really glad you're not God. God doesn't do that. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. His son rises on the, on the wicked and on the righteous. He's poured out his blessing. He just says, hey, just come and get it. Just come and get it. So, so how does it not work? Why is it not working in our lives? Look, look at that last point. Sin and rebellion cause us to squander the blessing of God and live in lack instead of provision. Sin and rebellion. Sin and rebellion. You remember the prodigal son? He got his inheritance, and the Bible says he wasted his substance on righteous living. Kelly and I, for years, we've been passionate for 30 years. For 30 years, we've been tithers and we've been givers. And most, till I don't know how many years ago now, it's, the Lord turned a train, praise God, years ago. But for many years, we were tithers and givers and we were broke. And we struggled financially. Not because we weren't tithing, not because we weren't giving, but because we weren't managing God's money. We made a whole lot of budgets, they just weren't real, right? If we don't eat for a month, then we'll be able to do all this stuff. We always forfeited to eat. I don't know why. We just thought, let's eat. See, there's some kingdom principles. God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. Tithing and giving are part of it. Budgeting is a big part of it. If you don't manage what God's given you, then it just goes. But here I believe is the greatest sin. It's, it's the sin of unbelief. And it's the sin of ungodly beliefs that rob us of the blessing. I had believed a lie for years about money. I, I had this idea, nobody told this to me, but I had this idea that really rich people had to be crooked. 
I don't know why I thought that. But I would look at people that were really, really wealthy, and I thought they, they had to compromise somewhere. They had, they had to compromise. They, they lied, they cheated, they something. They did something. And I used to say stuff like this. I hate money. I wish we could live without money. I, 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 hate, I, I hate money. That is foolishness. Because money is a gift from God. It is a tool that God uses to build the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says God is a God who creates wealth and gives us wealth so we can establish the covenant that he made with us in the earth. And I believe that one of the biggest things keeping us is, is the, the sin of an ungodly belief. We believe lies about ourselves. We believe lies about God. We believe lies about others. And those things are robbing us. Let me just make this one statement. We're about to pray. The, the Lord said this. He said, Keith, there are people here today that, that they... They have, they're not prospering in their relationships because they've believed a lie about relationships. And because they believed a lie about relationships, they can't ever build lasting friendships or relationships with other people. There are singles. We're about to have a singles conference. There are singles who have believed lies. And the lie they believed is keeping them from finding the mate that God ordained for them and stepping into the future and the hope that God has for them. Prosperity, remember, is not financial or physical. Prosperity is supernatural. And it affects every area of your life. So I want to ask you a question today. Is there any area of your life where you're not prospering? Is there any area in your life where you recognize there's an area of lack? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. No condemnation. This is a good news day, guys. Here's the good news. God loves us. He wants to bless us. And all we've got to be willing to do is just acknowledge it. Step one, acknowledge it. God, I acknowledge I'm living in a place of lack right here. And I confess this lack as sin. I confess this lack as sin. And maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe there's something I think I know that I really don't know. But Lord, I ask you to expose that lie of the enemy because I want to walk in truth. Because I want to prosper and I want to have bread to eat and I want to have seed to sow. And I want to be more generous tomorrow than I am today. And I need, I need your provision, God. Let's just bow our heads right now. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And, and, if, and if, if you're here, we're about to open the altar in just a minute, but if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I just recognize there's an area of lack, and I don't even know what it's from, and I just need prayer. I want somebody to pray with me. I want somebody to agree with me today. I, I, need, I need God to open my eyes. I need clarity. I need truth. If that's you, we want to pray with you in just a moment. Our prayer team, go ahead and make your way to the altar. Before we open the altar up in prayer and go into our last song of worship, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, maybe you realize, hey, I don't know God as my provider because I don't know God. Maybe you don't know Him as your Father. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation. And before you can experience the provision of God in every other area of life, you need to know God that He has provided for your sins. He's provided a sacrifice for your sin and my sin that we can believe in Him and be saved. And if you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, I would love to pray with you in just a moment and, and help you receive Christ. So let's just, if that's you right now, just raise your hand. Pastor Keith, I want to be saved. I've never been born again. I've never, I don't know God as my Father. I don't know God as my Savior. I've never experienced or received Him in my life. If that's you, we want to pray with you this morning. If you raise your hand, we're just going to slip a little packet in your hand. We're going to pray. But this is your moment. This is your hour. If you're watching online, you can, you can hit that hand emoji. You can type in that chat box. 
And we're going to pray this prayer. Let's just say it out loud together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're about to open the altar, but let's pray this prayer. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus has provided my salvation and my redemption. I believe He died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive your provision. And I receive Jesus as Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. We're going to get ready to close the service, but we're going to go just into a final song of worship. If you need prayer right now, we'd love to pray with you. Our prayer teams are here. Hey, let's bring clarity. Let's, let's, bring, let's bring the lies into the light that we can walk in the fullness of God. Let's go into this last song as Karita leads us this morning. The altar's open. If you need prayer, you come. For I smell the word you're singing over me. And you have been so, so good to me. For I took a 